you say living in London, but it's more like yeah, living in my flat. So it's like you know, the well, it's outside at this point in time is completely irrelevant in the sense that uh, yeah, it's mostly like uh, my flat that I share with my girlfriend, and that's pretty much it. Um, uh, I got a cat in December, and that was like uh, quite a nice thing. And then after the cat, I got a PS5, and that was okay. Second distraction, and just like two hours ago, I got uh, an Oculus Quest 2 delivered. So basically, I bought it because my co-founder bought it like two weeks ago. And I just messaged him. I was like, so what can we play together? And he's like, yeah, we can go to the casino together. I was like, okay, that's because of the casino. <laughs> This week on the podcast, Eduardo Moreni, co-founder and CEO of Emma. This week, I owe a huge shout out to one of my best friends from university, also an Eduardo, who helped make this podcast happen. I asked a favor of my friend to introduce me to Emma's Eduardo, and he did so right away. You're a top man. Emma's an app of which I'm a paid subscriber, and listening to their plans both on and off the podcast, it won't be long until most of you are too. Uh, you're not sure, sure who Emma are just yet? That's no problem. I'll let Eduardo introduce you himself. Eduardo? I guess I would say that I'm the CEO and co-founder of Emma. Um, I started a company like three years ago with my co-founder Antonio. And Emma is a savings app that helps people um, save money and optimize the way that they spend. Um, we really focus on the most basic need in human life, which is day-to-day spending and tracking. Um, I think that this has been going on for the last 3,000 years. Um, people started with Abacus. Uh, then they went to probably paper and then after that, you know, calculators. And then with the internet, there were like some early tools that actually were trying to do this. And now we are in the world of like, you know, open banking and PSD2. And so we can do this extremely well, extremely efficient and super, super fast because, you know, with open banking, we can connect to your bank account and get the data in pretty much real time uh, in front of you. And so it really opens up a scenario for us to build an incredibly like super engaging um, interface on top of all your financial life. And what else but 10 quick questions? So the first one is, what's the best place to eat in Manchester? Bar Burrito in Piccadilly Square. Absolutely, I can agree with that. I had a few of those delivered to my flat. <laughs> Who's your hero? My hero is... Um... I don't think I've got heroes, you know. I think my hero is myself. I'm that egocentric that I just like, I don't have any heroes. No, I like it. That's a good answer. And if you could live anywhere, yeah. where would it be? I would be probably like uh, in Rome or south of Italy, like uh, just enjoying myself uh, 365 days a year and, and just enjoying and relaxing. Um, I think that's the way I picture my life after uh Emma, uh, but you know, it will take us like another like 10, 15 years probably. My, our mutual friend Eduardo, uh, he keeps inviting me out there to uh, to tell me to come in, especially yeah. by the lakes as well. And uh, last time I turned it down was like February or something, February 2020, and then the world was never the same. So I kind of regret doing that. But uh, Yeah, I actually yeah. met him like in December before it happened. Yeah, we met in a yeah. cafe bar in Rome. And so yeah, it was nice. <laughs> and... What would you change about yourself if you could? I would add empathy to me. Like I think I lack empathy and I also am very 
Um, I would say I have a very short temper. <laughs> Which leads to the next all, question all the, perfectly. All the bad traits. <laughs> leads to the next question perfectly, Eduardo, which is what makes you really angry? Uh, when the, um, I think as a founder, like the, the, the worst bit is when you pitch to investor and they just don't get it. I think that's like when I reach my climate. Uh, I don't usually express it, but definitely, you know, um, you know, I, I mean, I can go, go a bit deeper, for example, but I had just a conversation with someone that was like, you know, the worst founder out there are the ones that think about competition. And it's funny because when I talk to most of the VCs, and this was like a venture capitalist, and when I talk to most of the VCs out there, the first question they ask me is like, what about competition? And, <laughs> and the answer is like, you know, we don't think about competition, we think about the product. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And what motivates you to work hard? To prove everyone wrong. I guess the, could... the, the simple thing that... I guess as a founder, like you constantly live in uh, no's and rejection. Even when you're like successful, people will still tell you that you were lucky and you're like a fraud. So, you know, that's like the, your biggest motivator. Beautiful. And if you could hire someone to help you, would it be cooking or cleaning? I like both, so definitely not that. Very good, very good. Uh, what's your favorite family vacation? Yeah, that's like a, a very long shot, but I think that when I was <laughs> like uh, 17, uh, we did like a small and short cruise around the Mediterranean. So it was like uh, Malaga, was it Malaga? Yeah, Malaga, Tunisia. And then I think it was like Catania and in Barcelona and a bunch of other like uh, cities. And it was like really nice. It's like seven days concentrated and you see five, six places in a week. Um, definitely, you know, being on a cruise is quite crazy because you eat 24-7 and there's food <laughs> coming at you. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of like a lazy holiday, but definitely like a, a nice one. I was just about to say that the buffet on the cruise ships just never ending. Yeah, I, got, I got like 10 kilos. I got 10 kilos in like a week and I was like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, what's the longest you've gone without sleep? The longest I've, I've slept. Gone without, not slept. I'll tell you, that's like... Um, is more than 72 hours so basically when i was at union manchester <clears throat> with my co-founder we uh, joined uh, an hackathon in uh, uni of michigan so um, we basically flew from manchester to detroit during the weekend and that was friday to sunday and so i was awake from friday to monday morning yeah <laughs> You certainly record there. Yeah, because that was like a two nights hackathon, and so we didn't sleep for both of those like nights, and that was like the yeah the longest ever. Uh, I don't recommend it because after like the second night you go crazy and you just want to kill everyone around you. <laughs> so don't do it. Um, <laughs> and then probably after that is the longest you've ever slept for. I imagine on that yeah. Monday. <laughs> but it's, yeah, because it's weird. Like I have got like an aura ring, so I track my sleep. One of like the the many toys and. Um, and basically, you know, my best performing nights are the ones where the, the, the night before I didn't sleep, you know, it's like night before you sleep one hour and then you sleep 12 hours. And it's like amazing scores, like, you know, <laughs> exactly. so, this is optimal. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so, so the secret to sleep is not to sleep. Just like, <laughs> Absolutely agree with that. What's the tallest building you've been on top of? I think it's like the Empire State Building. Very no, good. actually, it's, no, it's Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Oh, you've been there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Awesome. And final question. There is part of another crazy story. We can talk about it afterwards, I'll tell you. The last question, I've asked this to everyone, and uh, it's been a mixture of yeses and noes. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know the answer from you for this. Okay. Will Will England win the Euros this summer? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> I thought... I mean, we all know that they're shit, so it's like, come on. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, it's, I not, it's, it's not coming home. It will never come home. We'll just like resign. So it's just fine. But it's fine. You invented the game. Now you let us play the game. Like... And the problem is you keep beating us every time we play you yeah, in the Euros. Uh, I, 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 I don't know if I'll be able to stand the time if it's England v Italy in the final at Wembley this year and uh, me and Eduardo. Jeez. No. <laughs> Oh god, that is going to be stressful. Um, but going back to the earliest, could you tell us quickly about where you grew up? Yes. And also, what influenced the techie within you when you were growing up? Was there any signs of you doing any yeah. projects in your teenage years? Tell us a bit more about that. I think um, I think I got enlightened when I was like um, 12, 11 years old. Um, because I was born in Rome, I lived in Rome, um, and so I did like all my school in Rome till high school. And uh, when I was like 12, I think it was like the end of middle school or starting of like um, high school, I got a really uh, big interest in uh, computers and like programming. And I started like uh, programming like projects on, on my own and learning how to program on my own. Um, I still remember uh, at the time I was buying like some university textbooks and reading them on my spare time, uh, which was quite cool and quite weird. Um, but and that was like a, like a one year sort of like one year half phase because after that I switched fully on um, physics. Um, I really wanted to become like a theoretical physicist uh, in life, and so I focused the, those next three years uh, into physics. Um, I applied to uni to study in the UK. I think my UCAS application was like Oxford, Imperial, uh, Manchester, and UCL, and uh, I got rejected by Imperial right away. Then I got rejected by Oxford, going to Manchester and UCL uh, for physics. And then two months before, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do computer science. <laughs> and so I actually switched to computer science. And it was one of like, you know, there is this, there is this um, speech by Steve Jobs where he talks about connecting the dots, uh, which is quite funny because like, you know, in the first week of computer science, I met the only other Italian that actually applied for the course, which is my co-founder for Emma. Uh, you know, we were the only, it was two, two, uh, 2012, there were probably like four Italians in Manchester and one was me, uh, one Antonio, and then two other weirdos that we never met. So uh, it was really like a coincidence. And the, the funny bit about that is that, you know, when we start talking, we realized that we were like reading and listening to the same things um, in tech. And so we, for us, it was already obvious that we were going to start a company after uni and, you know, work on uh, what nowadays is Emma. I love that. And, and the switch to Manchester, you've mentioned yeah. it was between Imperial and Manchester. First of all, like why England? And then second, why choose Manchester? So Imperial, they rejected me for an episode. <laughs> yeah, I think they, I, got, I got accepted I got accepted in UCL and then UCL, Manchester. Yeah. Yes. So I had that option. So the first one is like I chose the UK. Um, I guess it was probably the easiest uh, to go to because, like, you know, in high school, I just studied Italian and, uh, and English. Um, Italy for me wasn't an option because I guess when I looked at the Italian system, it's very, like, um, very focused on, like, studying. It doesn't leave you, like, a room of, like, breathing. Um, 
while it, with the UK one is more like studying, but also like practical in the sense that when you do computer science, you also do a lot of like labs and experiments on the side. So I thought it was like a great way to actually, you know, get the sort of exposure. Uh, but definitely there is way more stuff going on here, right? And when it comes on to London to Manchester and versus Manchester, if I if I'd gone back and you know, if you want, you can even cut it this, but you know, I would have chosen London. <laughs> but but um, looking back, I really had like a huge uh, you know a huge when I when I went to do interviews for physics in Manchester. I really had like a very great uh, um, impression of Manchester, especially what struck what struck me at the time was that they had uh, an ambition to become one of the top twenty universities in the world by twenty fifteen or twenty twenty, uh, and I was like, wow, like these people are actually investing in this and they're looking forward. Uh, well, you know, if you talk to any universities in Italy, it's like, oh, we're lacking budget and you know we're trying to survive. So. It was that really different. And also when I went and worked on campus in Manchester, you know, everything was there, everyone was next to each other. So it really gave me this strong sense of like community and also like uh, international because like 30% of the students are out there are from everywhere around the world. While when you come here to London, it's more like, you know, 99% is the city and 1% is the uni and uni is everywhere because UCL had, you know, departments everywhere in the city. Uh, so there is definitely that side of it. Um, as a student, I think I would have I've enjoyed more Manchester, and I would still enjoy more Manchester. But definitely, you know, when you come down to London and you go like around like uh, Liverpool Street, Canary Wharf, you can you, you you can sort of like sense that the big opportunities here when it comes down to you know building and you know raising capital, investing. Uh, even though you know, I still believe that you can do everything from everywhere in the world. But then there are some mechanics and some elements that you know, they force you to actually move to a city with an ecosystem. Certain conversations you can't have over a video call, right? That if you're not there, if you're not living and breathing, rubbing shoulders with people, you can't have yeah. the conversations. No, but, you know, I go back to the basics. Like, you you want to start a company and you want to start it in Manchester and, uh, you know, you're growing fast and you, you need to hire, like, a CEO that has experience in scaling. Uh, maybe there are, like, uh, 100 in London and one in Manchester. So... I'm talking about that kind of like stuff where, uh, you know, the the sort of like, how would you say, like group of people that you can choose from is like much, much more like reduced. And so the you're- The pool, yes. So chances of success, they, they shrink. Of course, if you're like a remote only company, you know, who cares? And um, I have, I guess the CEO of like Buffer, I think he's, he was from like uh, Manchester originally. Maybe I'm saying something stupid. Uh, Paul <laughs> Gascon. Um, yeah. So, yeah, is that his name? Yeah. So, and they're like remote only, uh, you know, the employees are everywhere in the world and that works. And I guess it's not even busy much anymore. It's probably in the US somewhere. Uh, but definitely, you know, if, if that's if that's the setup, it works. If you have like a city only setup, you know, it becomes a problem. Happy memories, happy memories from Manchester? Uh, really nice memories. I actually went back in March uh, last year, two weekends before the lockdown. So it was like two weeks before. Uh, we were already like panicking uh, because I'm Italian, right? And so in Italy, everything happened like a month before. So yeah. we already knew what was going to happen. And we we're telling this to English people and they were looking at us like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I was on, uh, I went to Manchester to this like uh, skyscraper bar and uh, I was having this sort of like cocktail with my friend. Um, and my girlfriend and his girlfriend 
And there were like a bunch of people next to us that as soon as they heard that we were speaking Italian, they, they stood up and walked off. <laughs> there was no way. Yeah, yeah. The Italians are bringing the COVID. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I think I, I heard them saying, oh, I think that they're Italians. So let's go. Okay. <laughs> if you put it on this way. Was that Cloud 23 in Manchester? I think no. It was um, it, there is a Cloud Twenty Three is the one in the in the Hilton, right? No, it's it's yeah. it's, a dif- it's a different one. That the, you've got like the actual rooftop, so you can see the skies on top. Um, it's in um, North. It's not Northern Quarter. It's the other one. You know where the Second Alchemist is? There is one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is in Piccadilly, and then the other one is in um, what's the name? The you know the Second Alchemist is in uh, in a neighborhood called Spinning Fields. Uh, Spinning fields, yeah. There is like a huge uh, building there with like a rooftop bar. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that was it's it. It's really, really good. There. I'm trying to think it's like a neighborhood or something. I can't, I can't remember exactly yeah, yeah, what it is. The night before, I actually went to Cloud 23 with my girlfriend and I actually realized that cocktails in Manchester are like two times cheaper than London. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and they're actually good. You know, because like in London, you taste some sort of cocktails are like water only, you know, it's like, how have you made this? Co-? Like, you, you even ask like an Adderall spritz and it's like, yeah, 95% water and <laughs> like 5% alcohol. It's like, yeah, it's almost you know. worth it. If you can have a heavy night drinking with friends, you may, in, and you're based in London, you may as well get a train up to Manchester, go yeah, drinking yeah. in Manchester, stay yeah. overnight, come back down. Absolutely, yeah. and, absolutely. And to- to be honest, when you're like a student here in Manchester, even if it's like cheap, cheaper and, you know, relatively cheap, you still go to like Tesco and you buy it, it you know, even cheaper drinks than that. So it's like, you know, if you want to get that, you can only do it on five pounds. You know, I still remember, I mean, I'm, I'm a weird one, but I still remember buying some like four, three pounds, like New Zealand wine uh, uh, bottles <laughs> from Tesco, which I don't highly recommend to anyone, which, you know, I used to call them vinegar, but, you know. But did the job, right? It did the job. Absolutely. Yeah, it kept me happy for a couple of hours. You know, so. Not I, the next day, though. Yeah, no. And, I was um, a little, there's, a, yeah. there's a strong Italian community in Manchester. Um, is it? One of my best really? friends from from uh, <laughs> one of my best friends from university is uh, is Italian from from okay. Manchester. Obviously, Eduardo. Um, you were, were you head of the Italian society? So in, basically, in my Manchester? plan was like, I'm gonna go. In Manchester, not in London, I'm going to learn English properly, remove the Italian accent and never speak Italian ever again. And then I show up and there are like three Italians in my first year and I meet and I actually meet two of them. Because I told you that, you know, in uni I met the only Italian guy, but then I went to the swimming club where I started swimming and I met the second other Italian guy. So basically... After two weeks, I only met the only two Italians I enrolled in uni that year. One was in the swimming club and one was in the computer science um, department. And so I was like, yeah, I'm truly like fucked in that sense. Um, there is no escape from this. And, you know, it's like, you know, I need to keep the accent, which is fine. Um, and then, you know, after in the first year, so I was a bit skeptical about this whole Italian thing. And then by the end of my last, you know, fourth year of uni, I actually built conviction into the Italian thing. And so I became president of the Italian society. and I was organizing these parties all, all across uni. So that, that was like quite fun for, you know, my third and fourth year in uni. Um, and yeah, at that point, after four years, there were actually like hundreds of Italians uh, at uni, both like working in Manchester here and there. So it kind of exploded. And the reason behind that is that I think at that time they realized that London was like plateauing in the sense of like capacity. And so the majority, they went to, you know, Manchester, Birmingham, Liverpool and, you know, 
you, yeah, Bristol, Leeds, you, you mentioned them. And next, we learn about how Eduardo and his other co-founder came up with the idea of Emma. So basically, I'll tell you the story in detail. Um, I was, it was basically like my last month of uni and I was like in front of the student union and I was talking to another guy from the Italian society and he started telling me about micro lending and peer-to-peer -peer lending, which is the concept of like, you, you go on a platform, you can invest your money or like borrow some money. And so with the investment, you make money on top. And, um, and after that, I had three months of like full travel. I did a world tour with my co-founder Antonio. So this was after uni. The world tour was fully paid and we also ended up in Dubai. So because we won a competition the year before, so it was quite crazy. And then in September, uh, with, no, with some money from all our freelancing during uni, we decided to move to Berlin uh, in Germany to actually start this peer-to-peer uh, -peer lending uh, company. And after four months of like writing business plans, talking to all these German banks, we realized three things. First one is that, you know, we didn't speak German and uh, the name of the project that we actually called was Fikiria and Fik in German means fuck. So imagine us going to banks and the bankers and you're like, oh, we're working on fuck, uh, fuck, fuckish, fuck this. So it's like, okay, that's why they didn't want to partner us. Second one is that, you know, there was no sort of like chance to, you know, make a deal with a bank and uh, launch this. And the third one was pretty much on the, on the basis of like, that this is a model that does not work. It's very idealistic, very nice, but fundamentally speaking, it has never worked. And so what we did in January 2017 was that we launched a mobile app on uh, German bank accounts. And we went live there for six months. Um, it was very nice for us because we met the family, which is the accelerate, our accelerator, uh, which we joined in 2017. But it was also one of the worst worst experience out there because like Germans, they basically use cash for 60% of their transactions. Uh, they've got huge uh, data and privacy issues and concerns. So they don't adopt products like this. And so after six months, we had like 60 users which is the same amount of users that we got after three hours in the UK. So, so basically what happened after that is that we shut down all the uh, German operations um, and we decided to uh, move back to Italy. So I went back to Rome, my co-founder went back to Venice and we worked uh, for remote for about six, seven months. That was quite traumatic because it was the first time home after five years of like, living abroad. So we went back to mom and papa pretty much. And um, we worked remote for seven months. Then basically at the beginning of like 2018, we started getting some traction with the product and it was clear to us that it was the right time to raise uh, funding. So we moved back to London, but we had about probably 2K on, on our bank account. And so we couldn't afford to pay rent and we had no money. And so we spent about five months sleeping on the floor of the, the family's office. The family's was our accelerator that this sort of, sort of like villa slash office that like a gym. And so they, they got us like two hair beds and we slept on them for like about four months. We also tried the couches, but you know, the hair beds were much better than that. And while doing this, we were A, keep build, were building the product. B, we were actually um, fundraising. So I was actually fundraising for Emma and meeting all these VCs in London. And the story is that basically after four months of fundraising, it, uh, one of the founders of Emma told us that we were probably, it was better for us to shut down and start another company. 
And for us, it was because we weren't struggling to close the, the fundraise. And for us, it was like a very tough moment because like, you know, it was two years into this uh, with no sort of like anything in our hands, no funding, no employees, nothing. And so we were like locked in this room of the house, which was like a villa in uh, near Waterloo, uh, crying our eyes out because that was it. And um, we're like in this small room and at some point someone knocks at the door and we, we open the door and on the other side there is uh, one guy in tracksuit with two big guys behind him. And we're like, so who the fuck is this? That was like Calvin Harris, the most famous DJ in the world. That was like checking out this villa because he wanted to push us it. And so we 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 basically <laughs> I didn't recognize him. Anthony went pale as I fuck Calvin Harris. <laughs> and so he goes around the room, he comes out from the other door and you know he's checking all this house, which at the time was like an office pretty much. And then he leaves. And for us, we, we took that as a sign of God because after two days, uh, the investor messages us and is like, yeah, we're closing, closing the round. And so we closed like half a million pounds uh, at the time. And that was our first funding round. And that's what you know enabled us to hire the first two employees, uh, focus on the product and keep building over time. Uh, but that was uh, you know, quite a thing. It's like, you know, <laughs> what is this? Um, but it was uh, quite funny. <laughs> What an unbelievable story. Wow. I can't believe that. And, and, and what would you, de- could you define what would you call day one of Emma? I think day one is when I left uni in the sense that that's when we started on, I mean, after summer, uh, we went to Berlin and we started thinking about what we want to do. Um, for us, it was very obvious that we didn't want to take a, get a job. So we never applied for anything. Uh, it was obvious that, you know, we had some cash. Um, that we were able to actually, you know, amount during uni. This is very unusual. Like I was working as a freelancer, uh, building websites and apps, and I was charging people 70, 80 pounds an hour uh, at uni. So I was basically, after my third year, I was very self-sufficient. So my fourth year, I I paid everything by myself. Um, And so, yeah, we had some cash to spend and, you know, we used that cash for two years. And that, that was day one for us. But the reality is that we didn't have a salary for two years. And also when we started them and we raised half a million, we, I wanted to have a salary of 21K uh, and my co-founder just made me realize that at 21K you cannot rent in London. So we decided to put it at 25. And so for another, uh, you know, year and a half, we were at 25K um, and still saving quite a lot because for us, it was no entertainment, nothing. We're just building from Monday to Sunday. And you know, when you do that kind of life, you know, you can even save like 500 pounds a month very, very easily because you don't have anything else to do. It was our, it was our like lockdown. And that's why, you know, when it comes onto the lockdown for us, it's more like, you know, we're back at it. Nothing has changed. And the name, Emma? The name is because, you know, I met Antonio in 2012. Uh, we built a couple of things together at uni. And one of the things that we want to build at uni was actually... Uh, a project called Emma, uh, because Emma is our initials. So I am EM is MA. Um, definitely, we didn't use it for the project at uni, but then when we were in Berlin in the living room this, and we were planning all this relocation, we were like, you know, let's call it Emma. This is the name that we chose four years before. So now it's the time to do it. And uh, yeah, we did it. And uh, yeah, that's why it's called Emma. And it's definitely not an, an ex-girlfriend that got away. No, you're not the first person that asks me. <laughs> um, I, I didn't tell anything to my current girlfriend. So she's like, 
you can cut this. Uh, no. <laughs> it's definitely, a good story. It's a good story. Yeah, no, d- definitely not. Uh, it's worked <laughs> in that way. And I think, you know, it really resonates with the product. And um, it also, when we thought about the name, we thought about what name can be, you know, shared and talked about. And I think that we're thinking about the 1 million plus Hemas that live in the UK. And <laughs> <laughs> I love the that. Yeah, the fact that they're going to use like an app that's going to, you know, that comes after their name. I don't know. I think you smashed it. And the gummy bear. Doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, our first logo was just Emma as written like that. And then we basically hired a designer and we're like, you know, we want to come with a logo, colors and brands. And we just want to make and put in the app everything, everything that does not make any sense. So just come up with ideas that don't make any sense. So he came up with like a koala uh, a star like goldfish, uh, a starfish, and then it was like uh, like a bear, and uh, in the end, then a gummy bear. And we're like, yeah, this is a gummy bear. Like as long as we don't get sued by Harbo, uh, you know, we're we're fine. And you know, you know, we didn't get sued, and you know, fair enough. I think he he really he really like works well and resonates with the brand. You know, I agree with that. And what what have your key successes been so far? Uh, not to give up, uh, you know, we have been probably one of the most re- resilient founders out there uh, because we never stop building. And I think if we don't stop, that will lead to success eventually. Um, you know, we do have like some pretty good numbers and, you know, a lot of usage in the UK, but, you know, it's still day one for us. And if we stop now, we're going to probably, we're going to prove right all the people that tell, told us that this wasn't possible while now it's actually possible and it's happening. So, yeah, we never stopped. And, you know, you can say that, you know, most of the founders out there have got all these crazy stories, and especially successful ones. And the reason behind that is, is because they didn't stop, right? Um, there is no other reasonable explanation like that. Like people succeed because they don't stop if you stop you don't have a story to tell and you don't have like a company to talk about so and yet before the calvin harris moment you were in you were in that room where did you think life was going to take you from that moment before i completely fact was like i i i'm I'm well aware that i'm not like an honorable person and not because not because i don't want to have a boss but because like i don't have any skills like you know i i can code like I, i build mobile apps i can probably design a bit i can do legal i can do marketing i can do everything but i'm not like a very specific to one thing only and so yeah i'm not i don't really fit like in a bucket um you know i i took um, Emma needed to be registered with the FCA, so the Financial Conduct Authority. And I, uh, when most of the companies out there used lawyers and stuff like that, like I did the world authorization process with by my own in my room in Rome uh, for like a month, and you know it went well because we were approved. But definitely, like I can definitely adapt in 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 those kind of situations, and that's probably my biggest strength. Is it something you enjoy, Eduardo? Is learning something you don't know about? Is that is that what drives you? Um, yes, but I think that you know, building nice things and putting it, putting it in the hands of other people—that's like my biggest like uh, driver, motivator. Um, yeah, and that's exciting. And you know, sometimes to people that do companies in B two B or that worked in B two B companies, and I think that's one of the most boring things ever because you know, you work on something that you cannot use and no one will ever use while. When you work at Emma, you walk out and, you know, your friend is using it. You can talk about hmm. it with other people. 
you can share it and it's something that anyone can relate to. Uh, and I think that's the most power, powerful thing. And for us, even when it came down to hiring, now we've got like a small team of 15 people. Uh, it's And it's funny because I think that, you know, 80% of those hires, they didn't come because they liked me as a person, but because they liked the product, you know? It's like, oh, maybe he's a dickhead, but I love the product so much, uh, you know, I want to join. Uh, it, it worked. So, you know, next time, if you want to build a company out there, just choose like a gummy bear and put some colors. <laughs> Oh man, I like it. People, people are invested in the in, in the business. I like it. And what's the plan? You mentioned fifteen people now. Um, where do you yeah. sit with? Because the, the the next question was going to really be, and I guess I'll I'll ask it the way I was going to pose it. Was obviously the company's had investment so far, right? And yes. uh, but when I yeah. when I open the app, I'm told five hundred thousand pro users. Um, is, is is that right? And each is sixty pounds, which is a sub, a substantial revenue at the moment. Um, what is the business investment uh, reliant, or can it drive itself from revenue? We, we we're still like a VC backed company, and so when you're like VC backed, it means that you don't act like a normal like business out there. Like you overspend into several channels to grow much much faster so no definitely there will be more investment to come and it will be soon announced um but you know um, i think that we will need investment you know for the next three to five years but definitely there is like a path to profitability uh, because emma is and this is like a very like uh, precise definition emma is like an asset like business like we don't we're not building any infrastructure we're just building pure software that leaves on top of your like your banking app, and uh, and that's why we can build an extremely like lean business that can scale and you know take two, three, four million people in the UK and also across Europe and any other like countries out there. Um, so there is definitely I've got to like, say it is it is beautifully smooth. When I've I, I opened the app within within seconds, I was clicking on my bank Monzo, yeah. and I believe there was a brief period of where everything was syncing together, and I did that late at night. I woke up the next day. And there was my exact bank balance on there. It knew exactly my net worth. And now I'm going to slowly start adding things in with obviously the house and, um, you know, credit monthly credit card that's coming out. Um, and it works beautifully quickly. So it integrates a lot of things. And when it works that well, I just know that it can't be that simple to put together for you no. when it works that smoothly. No, and but you know, and you know, you make like a fair point because like the majority of people out there would be, would look at the app and they will be like, oh yeah, it's just like some graphs and a balance, right? Uh, but definitely when you add three to four or five accounts, there is some complexity under the hoods that starts kicking in from all your like internal transfers that we need to automatically exclude. Otherwise it looks like that you've got 10 times the income that you have, you know, whenever you move money from a current, like a current account and a savings account to, you know, detecting all like your credit card repayments, because that's like another issue or detecting refunds. That's another issue that might, you know, get the numbers wrong. Uh, understanding clearly all your like transactions and put a merchant with a logo on top of that categorizing so these are all things that we do in-house and we do them better than anyone else out there and that's what you know is driving the sort of like growth and uh, success of the product definitely for you i've got a couple of news because like we're building like payments so you'll be able to pay your friends and receive money from your friends in the app 
it will fully rely on open banking, so you won't have to put any money into Emma, but just uh, you know leverage your uh, payment infrastructure on Monzo or any other like banking app there. It will be faster because you will be able to pay from you know any bank you want from Emma directly. And then the other thing that we're actually building is for uh, self-employed people. So we're going to add support for business accounts, and also we're going to add support for like. Um, a multi-layer system so you can see the app from a business perspective a personal perspective and a joint account perspective and all these like layers you'll be able to share them with multiple people so you can get uh, you and your partner on the joint uh, layer and see all the analytics all the account all the joint accounts in one place and then switch on the personal and you will see your personal account credit card and you'll be the only one to have it. And then the business side, where maybe you share it with multiple like uh, partner of your business and so on and so forth. How difficult do you find it asking other people to achieve your vision within the company? You know where you want it to go, but you have to entrust other people to get you there. I don't think that's like difficult. You know, like um, at Emma, we are people with like a couple of like specific traits. Uh, we like independence. And we like people that are very autonomous. And that's what we consistently hire. If we don't see those two traits, we don't hire you. And, you know, there has been in the past where we really wanted to hire some people. But then in the last few stages of interviews, we could see that they weren't independent or they were like a bit of like uh, struggling and we didn't make those hires. Right. And uh, yeah, I think that those are like the main, main key traits, of course. It works well when you're like a small company uh, because, you know, when you get like to a bigger scale, the dynamics change and you need to hire pretty much everyone. So you get the one that is more like, you know, independent and the one that is less independent. But in that dynamic, it works because like the independent person is the one that drives everyone else. Um, But in a small dynamic, when you've got 10 people in a room, you really want to have people that can go fast on their own. So everything moves much, much faster. And that's why, you know, one of, one of the biggest advice is not to hire interns in a, in a small company. You don't want to have anyone to babysit while you're building it. You must have a lot of ideas for where you can take this business, but you can only do so many. Is that frustrating? And how do you stop yourself from waking up in the morning and going on the team call and going, we should do this as well and this? Do you have that? Yeah, I have that all the time because if it was me, I would already like built, you know, like a challenger bank with loans and taking over the entire world um but you know it really comes down to how difficult it is to do it um can we test it um can we put it in the apps quickly so if it's something that it really takes like a week to build and you can do like quick a b tests on the user base and see if it works or not uh, definitely do it if it's something that you need to invest for six months and then maybe you figure out that no one wants it you know, that, that becomes like an issue, right? So it really comes down to those questions. And, and Emma, we're very analytical and we use a lot of like testing tools. So most of the time we're testing features and we're always like, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, what we do makes sense and has got like a context. Um, for example, right now we're doing something that is completely stupid. It's not tested, but it's actually cool. So we're doing it, which is basically uh, in the network uh, screen, it's going to come out like next week and basically in the network screen if you specific if you tap in a, a specific spot that is completely hidden so i'm not going to tell you where it is <laughs> like a screen will pop up 
with like an emoji that is going to, you know, uh, the eyes of the emoji were going to like blink and they're going to be like some lightning on top. And it will tell you how many years it takes you to reach 1 million net worth. I love that. It's like a proper little Easter egg. And just yeah. like in a, in a Tesla, you've got all the different things that you can do with a yeah. car. You click it. No reason for it, but it's cool. And you know how why why we built it because we saw a tweet of like a random person that wasn't even referring to Emma, but it was like it would be cool if like there was like an app that tell you like how many years it takes you to get to a million net million pounds net worth. So you know what we got the data, let's build it. And so we built it. It took us like two days to build, one day to design. We're not even gonna test it because who cares? Uh, it's funny people can share that. You know, if you share that, it's gonna take you like seven hundred years. It's like a joke. Come on, like. Everyone can laugh about that. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I text my investor saying, hey, we're releasing this. And it was like, just like today, like half an hour ago. And he was like, oh, I'm not sure, like, you know, if because people might get sad about it. And then I showed him how we implemented it. And it's, it's, it's hilarious. So it's like, you he know. He loves it. That's yeah, of course. Because like, even when it comes down to money, it really goes down to do like to how you put it, how you frame it and what angle you take, right? If it's like a funny, interesting angle, like, I guess no one can get offended out there. Last few questions. I know you want to have an evening yourself, so uh, I promise not to take up all of it. Um, the USA. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we're live in the US as well, definitely. Uh, our biggest audience as of today is uh, is the UK, uh, but definitely I were growing in the US as well. I do think that on a like, um, legal perspective, because uh, of open banking and PSD2, Europe and the uh, Europe and the UK are like ten years side of the US in terms of like connectivity to banks, and you know there is like a huge opportunity to build like a huge company here. But definitely, you know, if you want to build like a very big big company, uh, North America is like three hundred million people, three hundred fifty, and so you cannot ignore it because the dynamics of the market are completely different. Uh, from here, right? And that's one of the main reasons why the majority of companies that are born and start in the US, they don't launch internationally because they've got already too much room to play with that there is no reason to, you know, to go somewhere else. And so at Emma, we're already investing in that, but for us, it will be like a very like, long-term bet. Um, while in the UK, we're already probably the big, not probably, we're the biggest app uh, in finance when it comes down to aggregating because, um, you know, we've got more users than anyone else. And it's, the channel, it's really the challenge of, like, you know, going above and beyond and pass that 1 million mark and, you know, get 2, 3 million people in the UK on Emma. Sometimes I, when I wake up, there's a couple of things I check. One of those is, uh, you know, looking at how an investment's done over the past week. Do you go on the App Store and look at where you are most days? Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> um, the future. So two questions to finish up. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. What's the next 12 months like for Emma? Yes. Um, I think that there are like two things I really, really want to do in the product. Uh, the first one is like payments, which we're building now and should come out in a month in the app, maybe two. Um, and the second one is credit score. I think it's really relevant to what we do and uh, keeping track of your credit score and credit reports over time. It really fits with our mission of you know helping you save and control your money. So these are like the two next, our two, ne two next big bets. The second one is all the tools for self-employed and businesses that will be part of like a subscription, like a higher one um, in Emma. And these are pretty much our like main focus for the next like six months in terms of like Emma. 
what we really believe in terms of, of as a company is that we really have got an opportunity to connect the consumer world with the financial world and so be this sort of like gateway between consumers and financial products. And so, you know, what we imagine is going to happen in the next two, three, four years is that you will be able to open uh, current accounts uh, in Emma. You will be able to open investment and savings products in two tabs. As of today, you can, you can, you can already do it. Uh, there is a bit of a friction into it, uh, but definitely, you know, we will be the connector to these two worlds and will be this very tiny layer that will sit on top and engage with you on a day-to-day basis. And the reason why you won't do it with your bank is because your bank doesn't care about you, uh, is not you know, focused in building the tools that you need over time, and they will all converge into you know, what they, even the new banks, so the new banks, they will all converge into what banks have been doing for the last 700 years, which is you know, loans and savings. So they cannot get the edge, which is what we you know, focus on on a day-to-day basis. What are the next 12 months like for you personally? Where are you going to be based out of? What is going to be, are you, are you going to be all the time on your, your computer? Are you going to be meeting people? Are you going to be flying around the world? What yeah. does it look like personally? I think on a personal level, like the company is like changing quite a bit because I am more less and less involved into, you know, the building of things, but more into the building of the company. And so my main my main focus will be from you know going from 15 employees to 40 employees and actually manage the transitions and try to actually make it extremely smoothly and make sure that everyone is like happy about it i'm basically hr <laughs> in, in terms of that and you know for me i'm fully based in london uh, my girlfriend is like an nhs doctor so we're like mm-hmm. saving saving lives by staying in London. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not vaccinated yet. I'm looking forward to, but you know, uh, good man. It will take good like man. yeah, it will take a while. And there we have it, the Insync Podcast with Eduardo from Emma. It's a wrap. See you next week. <laughs>